This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. Uh, longest-running radio talk show host in Sioux Falls radio history, at least uh, uh, every Sunday since, uh, that's got to be, I think we figured out 2,600 Sundays or something like that, talking with Jack Kovic. Uh, Jack, we get you back every year. We have you come in just before the legislature to tell us what's going to happen, and then we bring you in after the legislature to tell us uh, what did happen. And uh, I guess March 27th is the last day for vetoes or whichever like that coming up this week, but... Uh, uh, in a nutshell, you know, we can uh, uh, get started on the legislature. But first of all, just to kind of get to know you, you were with the Pizza Hut Water Boys, I hear. <laughs> yeah, it brings back some memories, John. Years ago when I coached some wide basketball, I got I got uh, involved with a traveling team, a, a bunch of great kids, and, and uh, we uh, got a couple of sponsors, and then it was a Pizza Hut, and then there was a company in town called Waterbury, um, and so we called ourselves the Pizza Hut Water Boys, and it, it uh, we became quite a quite a known team around the area because we traveled into Minnesota and Iowa and and around the state and played in different tournaments. And and uh, one thing I really remember about the boys: number one, you know, you kind of wonder when you've got kids that young that you're coaching and and trying to teach them a game that they love so well, and and uh, and what they're going to end up with in their in their careers and their lives because you know when they're Eighth graders and seventh graders are they're kind of wild and and they do things that maybe you did when you were that age, but you kind of forgot about it and kind of remembered back. But I'll tell you what, I am those eight or nine boys that I had back then. I'd say I'm so proud of them today. Uh, we keep in touch, uh, and it's just amazing that uh, they're uh, you know in high offices and banks, and they uh, work at hospitals, and they just you know. Um, lawyers it's just amazing that they all turned out that well and i'm really really proud of them and i was really glad to be associated with them they were really hard-working kids too one weekend we went down to cherokee iowa and there was a gentleman here in sioux falls who uh, put on a tournament down there he was the 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 principal of a high school down there and we went down there and we played on a friday night and a saturday and i think we played four ball games in uh, that period of time and we ended up winning that and then we came home Saturday night, and then we turned right around and drove to uh, Jackson, Minnesota the next Sunday morning, and we played three of the toughest traveling teams out of the Minnesota area, and we ended up winning all three of those. So if you can imagine those boys, they played seven ball games in a matter of, you know, 48, 54 hours. And uh, so the trip coming home from Jackson was pretty quiet. But I'll tell you what, that it's just amazing, the, the, the young generation that, that came up from that era, they were... They were good boys. I really was proud to be part of them. Well, you've been with LBO Distributing now for how many years? Well, I started with Arch uh, Beal back in uh, 2002, so um, I've been there um, 21 years, and I promised Arch I'd give him 15 while I'm still there. But um, I've been in the malt beverage business uh, all my life, basically since 1972. So when you talk, you've been the longest-running uh, radio talk show host in Sioux Falls, South Dakota since 1977. Um, I'm probably one of the older uh, people still in the malt beverage business for the last, you know, 51 years. That's so. true. When you get up around a half a century, it seems to a little, little different. Uh, Jack, the uh, other reason that you're here is you get kind of a really good feel for, you know, what's going on in South Dakota because you, you work at Elbeal. 
uh, because you, you deal with every little Legion Hall and VFW and, and uh, you know, uh, little bars in, in all these little towns. Uh, was it kind of difficult to get the kegs out for St. Patrick's Day uh, with the roads as they were? <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you what, yesterday I got a picture of, uh, yeah, in, in the country especially, but I got a picture of my driver because we've got a place down in Hudson, South Dakota, which is about as far southwest, as, or southeast, excuse me, of our territory, and he sent me a picture of a, the road that he was driving on, and I'm going to tell you what, I probably wanted to drove on it with a four-wheel drive pickup, but he's got a six or an 18-bay tractor trailer, and he just sent me a picture of the road as he turned on it and said, Waddies in, in Hudson. We'll get their green kegs today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember in Hudson a long time ago, they had a street dance with Myron Lee and the Caddies. Oh, yeah. And I came uh, through on my way back from Vermilion to, we were going to, uh, from a dance there, and we were going to do a, a thing, I think, in Minnesota. So I was coming through Hudson on the way, and uh, there wasn't a level place anywhere that didn't have a beer can. <laughs> every windowsill, every every bench, every you know, it's just like there wasn't any place to put another beer can if you tried to. Yeah. Um, Hudson is a good town, but anyway, the uh, uh, you, you know you worked at Albion, but uh, you boss Arch, and and you both are in the Senate, and so you you got kind of a, a one-two punch there a little bit. But you're on the Appropriations Committee, and that's where all the money goes. So you've got kind of in the know as to really what is going to be happening and are there going to be any things coming up on may 27th as far as any last minute things well the only you know on may 27th which is veto day we've got three bills right now that the governor Noam has vetoed uh that we have to take up and then and she has not signed and or vetoed yet the the budget bills um if she signs them that would be great uh if she vetoes them then we'll have to come back and and uh take those up if she leaves them on her desk unsigned and they'll go into law as they are stated, um, you know, we um, we did not, you know, pass everything that the governor wanted uh, in our appropriations and then that which went eventually those bills go down to the floor uh, of the Senate and the House to, to approve them as well. Um, you know, she wanted um, like uh, family care services, which, which we did not do. She wanted uh, the state employees, the educational departments, um, our CSPs and stuff, they only get a 5% across the board budget raise. We, we, we changed that. Um, we did, um, did not give her the, did not vote through the food tax reduction, uh, elimination of the food tax reduction. We, we uh, lowered the sales tax rate down to uh, 4.2, uh, which amounts to $104 million, which is, which is virtually about the same amount of money as what the food tax would have taken off. Um, so we we um, we didn't you know give her everything that she wanted. We did pass some things that she did you know did like and did want and and uh, so it, it was it was a very interesting um, session. But I'm going to tell you something, John, and, and your listeners here that um, I looked forward every day to go to appropriations this year because uh, number one we had. Um, great communication between both houses, second floor. Um, and so there was a lot of more communication. There wasn't a lot of the strife and fighting that goes on. Uh, we were all level-headed and, uh, you know, tried to do what was best for the people in South Dakota and spend the money that we had. You know, we had $330 million, 
and that's a lot of money. I mean, that was excess. Well, back in 1977, $3.30 was a lot of money, and you know that yeah. as well as I do, but we're talking 330 So overall, I, I thought we did a lot of good things for the state of South Dakota uh, that um, hopefully will move the state forward as we go. And I think people realize that even with the difference in the tax reduction that we did versus the tax on the food, I think people will be, they'll see that, you know, in the future and hopefully appreciate that what we're doing. So one hand kind of washes the other and, and uh, the average home family might be paying, you know, the, the bills are going up at the grocery store, but they're getting some benefits on the other side. That is correct. And, and you know, I was a graduate of economics in, at a South Dakota State and, you know, everybody, they always look at an economist as somebody that uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. But I look back in the years of, uh, I think it was like 96, 2008, and I look back, you know, when things were going pretty good and all of a sudden, you know, there's a downturn, and we've had a pretty good run. You know, we had a lot of federal money put into the state, um, you know, into the state itself, uh, government, but not only that, but also, you know, there was money filtered through, you know, the, the counties, filtered through the municipals, filtered through the school districts. Um, law enforcement, you know, that we did not have our hands on as far as our government. So there's a lot of money put into the market, and which increased the amount of spending. But, of course, inflation was going up at the same time, which created more revenue because something that cost, you know, five bucks three years ago, it cost ten bucks today. That's more tax revenue. And the salary hasn't gone up. And Yeah, correct. And um, so, you know, that creates a kind of a, a, you know, excuse me, but damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation so that we, you know, we got to watch where our revenues are going to be and what our spending is going to be. And we talked to numerous economists that came in and talked to us and, and they looked down the road that like 24 and 25 could be a little bit slower um, as far as revenue coming in because first of all, all the ARPA and CARES Act money has got to be spent by the end of 26, got to be done. And so that money is all going to be filtered through. And then not only that, but then if, you know, inflation keeps going like it is, you know, that's going to cut back on spending, which will then cut back on sales tax. So we looked at it as a conservative type thing, but moving forward um, in a great way, you know, we, uh, we increased our, our uh, ongoing expenses. You know, when you talk about a conservative state, but we increased our ongoing expenses from now until whenever, by $294 million this year. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good chunk of change to, to try to, you got to keep that income coming in. So, mm-hmm. and that went to a lot, of, a lot of really good things. So, and we can list them all if you want, but I mean, I'd, I could talk forever on, you know, we gave the 7% raise to education. Governor wanted five. We gave 7% to state employees. Governor wanted five. Our, our caretakers, which, uh, you know, like um, nursing homes and adult daycare and everything that goes along with that behavioral health and all that, we gave them a 5% raise, but we raised the methodology, which is their cost of doing business. We raised that uh, up to 100%. Never been at that level. And that was always one of my goals was to get those people – you know, like the lifescapes of the worlds, and to get them to the Children's Home Society, to get those to 100% methodology so that now we're on a level playing field. And they were just, they were happy to get the 5% plus that 100%. And 
in some instances, there were uh, some of those agencies got as high as a 30% increase in what their their income would have been, you know, a year ago to what it's going to be next year. So hopefully we're back on a playing field now. We we we, we really worked hard on that. I mean, that was there was a lot of people involved. So hopefully we took the band-aid off and now we got we got a fix and we'll see how it comes out and you know only the people of South Dakota will be able to to rate us in a year or two to see how that went. Yeah, I know Lifescape can really use the money uh, all the people that work there. Uh, they own 40 buildings in this town. It's a, that's a that's a bigger economic impact than you think. Uh, Lifescape does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually uh, Lifescape uh, a year ago uh, I worked on a bill to get them $8 million to build their new facility. And I know they're really close on uh, if they haven't already purchased the land and to get that new facility built so that they can take all their their buildings and put them into one um, location. And that's about, well, I, I think it's like a $100 million project. And I think they've got that money funded now. And uh, I'm I'm hoping it goes because it would be a, a great asset. So, Talking to Jack Kobick, uh, Senate Appropriations Committee, uh, talking about new facility, I, I, you know, you, you guys always have hors d'oeuvres and coffee uh, after the hours. There's always meetings here and, and uh, uh, invites there. And, and when you're talking, you know, uh, uh, you know, off out of the box, I guess, a little bit, uh, the penitentiary is something that was discussed quite a bit this year. And, and uh, uh, what did the state legislature hear? Where's that at? Well, we started a year ago. We started up what we called our uh, penitentiary construction fund. Um, and last year we put $80, $89 million into that fund uh, out of excess funds. We started that uh, because we knew that we needed to replace the state penitentiary here in Sioux Falls. And that's coming and we knew we needed to do something with the women's prison in Pierre. That place is, I could tell you stories about that building. We toured it again this fall uh, or this spring. And just to kind of give you an idea, there was like nine women would be in a room where their space, that's how crowded it is, that their space would, if they stood in a spot after you put the cots in there that they slept in in their locker, their space was by two by two feet. I mean, that's how that's how crowded that place was. So we, we did fund the, the new building in Rapid City. And the reason for that going out to Rapid City is, number one, is most of the inmates come from that western part of the state, unfortunately. But that's just the nature of the land. And also workforce. Um, you got to build those those types of facilities in areas where you've got a workforce that can get to them and take care of them. So that's fully funded. That was a $60 million project. And so then we um, also, we had put the, the, the remainder of the 29 million that was left in there. We're using that for um, the construction of, and the development and design of, and the purchasing of the land for the state prison here somewhere where it'll end up at, I'm not sure, uh, but somewhere within um, reasonable driving distance, I would say, of, of Sioux Falls or some major place where we can get our workforce. You know, we've got, you know, a number of employees, hundreds of employees here, and we'd like to be able to keep them working, but we we got to find the location to put that at. And right now today, in that construction fund, we put another $150 million in there 
Um, so with everything that's in that construction fund today, we're right close to $300 million in there, which is about half of what the prison's going to cost cost to build. So. If we lose that in Sioux Falls, though, that's quite an economic impact to the city. It is. Um, you know, and you've heard some talk about Sioux Falls doesn't want it and all of that. I'm not saying it'll be built right, you know, in the, in the city because it's going to take 140 acres of land. Um, to put the facility because they don't build them up anymore. They build them ground level, and which makes them, you know, a lot more workable. So that's they got to buy the land, they got to get a hold of the land, and, and they're working on that. And they may have, a, a, you know, something already at this time. But and then the biggest concern was what do you do with the old building? Well, you know? that's one thing they, they found out when the uh, the old courthouse uh, and now the museum. Is it and and the, the Washington Pavilion, uh, the Washington High School, it it costs almost as much to tear it apart as to build a new building. Uh, that quartzite uh, is harder than diamonds. They say it's one of the hardest uh, stones mined right here in in, in Sioux Falls. Of course, uh, it's not that easy to just kind of take it apart. You can't just knock it over. No, and you've been. I don't know if you ever toured the prison here, but I've been in it. You know couple three four or five times just as a as a, a visitor <clears throat> not as an inmate mm-hmm. but uh i played softball on that diamond out there uh back when i was playing fast pitch out of center south dakota which they call now the field of dreams i we'd come in and and we'd play a couple of ball games on a saturday or a sunday we'd play against the inmates out here um on that and so but the building is you know it's the, the walls are two feet thick you know, so you just can't go into a building like that and remodel it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you just can't move because most of the walls are structured walls and, and stuff to do. You know, how so, do you drill a, a wire through one wall to the other? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's the concern. People are asking, what are they going to do with the building? Why can't they tear it down and put the prison right where it's at? Well, we, we investigated that, actually. And just so your listeners know that there's a prison over in Minnesota that we could have moved our prisoners over there, but it would cost us somewhere in the vicinity of 200 and some odd dollars a day to house them over there while all this went on over here. And that one might take, you know, a number of years to do that. So it's just infeasible to do it that way. We used to make some income, though, from the federal prisoners kept here. Uh, will this affect the Minneapolis County Jail, which used the penitentiary uh, back and forth quite a bit? Well, I don't think it'll affect the Minneapolis County Jail. I, I, our, our people down there are doing a tremendous job, um, you know, managing that facility. And, and I, don't, I don't foresee this affecting them at all. In fact, it may help them out, if, if nothing else, because wherever it's located, we don't know that yet. You know, it might be 10 miles away from here. I don't know. So... Well, they can't build too many tall buildings because of the airport uh, landing right in that, that section. But I can see some developers out there really, uh, you know, licking their chops. Uh, that, that's, the view from that top of the hill of the city there is kind of unique. There's not too many like that. Well, you got to, you know, you, you know, you got to look at the falls. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a very attractive uh, piece of property in Sioux Falls, and people really like to go down there. And yeah, you're right, boy. If you could live up on that hill, you'd be as as high up as a cathedral, and you could <laughs> have yeah, a pretty good view. Be, a lot of lights to see at night. Uh, talking to Jack Kobach of the Appropriations Committee in, in the South Dakota Senate, uh, the uh, amount of bills this year, was it average or, or more than usual? Well, actually, we, we probably were down a little bit this year. You know, it's the first year we had 30, 30 new senators and representatives, you know, and, and a lot of times 
in the first year when you have uh, you when you're new, you don't introduce a, a lot of, in, of uh, legislation. So we had 450 plus bills this year, um, which was down substantially from a year ago where we had well over 600. Um, so the the workload on bills was probably uh, less. Um, our committees worked really good. Uh, that's why I said about the communication between the House and the Senate this year. Uh, the the committees worked really good together, so they were able to move bills, you know, through. So we didn't weren't get didn't get backlogged like on crossover day. We left the Capitol on crossover day. At least I did. Some others may have been there a little longer or maybe left earlier, but. I can't ever remember getting out of the Capitol on crossover day at 6.30 like I did this year because normally we're there till wee hours of the night to get everything done, but it, it worked pretty good this year. Well, if you look at the legislature in California, uh, we hear about it quite often because of uh, so many things it seems kind of crazy, but the South Dakota legislature has been basically in the black for many, many years. Uh, California, they're, they're the highest tax in the country, and they're really in debt, and they're spending some things that just don't seem right. But South Dakota, um, you've used common sense over the decades and the years, and, and you still have a balanced budget. Uh, California would love to have that. Well, by constitution, we have to have a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that in 23 on our one-time spending, we were able to um, to make sure that our, our budget was balanced and, and at the end of the year. And we proposed a 3.8% increase uh, for 24. Now, that's people will say, well, that's pretty conservative. Well, it is and it isn't. Um, the governor was there, or the, the BFM, which is our Bureau of Finance and Management, they wanted, you know, quite a bit higher budget than that. And then... Um, or lower than that, I should say, and then our LRC, which is our Legislative Research Council, who works with us in appropriations, they wanted a little bit higher than that. But I think we took the right stance at 3.8 um, uh, increase. Number one, it'll cover our ongoing expenses, which we have to we have to cover. Okay, and then if it's higher than that, then we'll have some more one-time money left over in 24 that we can use to put into our construction fund. We can offer raises. And things like that there too. So, you know, it's it's a not a real complicated system, but there's just so many things that um, that, that go into the mix, and you got to try. You got to look into the future because when we budget right now, you know, 23, that budget ends on June 30th. Our 24 budget starts July 1. So like right now today, I'll just tell you that in February, our sales tax um, was up 10% over a year ago. Um, or I should say, excuse me, we it was 10% higher than normal or whatever it comes in, but it was still down like 1.8% over a year ago. So we're starting to see some of that trend that I talked about earlier, you know, as, as if the inflation keeps mm-hmm. going or we get a hit of recession where people are unemployed and can't work and they can't buy things, we don't have an income. So, Well, that's what I wanted to bring up is the state invests a lot of funds. Uh, they make good money on the stock market and things like that. But are you worried about the banking system as it is? Uh, in the Midwest, I think uh, regional banks are, regional banks are, are part, part of the question. Absolutely not right here. I'm good. not worried about our guys here in South Dakota. I'm, I mean, I know a lot of them, and I tell you what, I think they're they're on top of things. They know what it was like in 2008. They know that, and I don't. 
you know, that federal government hasn't offered to bail any banks out yet. Some banks are bailing other banks out right now at this point in time. I have full faith in our banking. Um, you know, we've got some of the best banking laws and regulations in the in the country. Uh, that's why they're here. Our trust department is most respected in the nation. That's why it's here. Um, and I just, I got full confidence that our people that are managing these banks and managing our trust departments, that they know what's going on. And, and what's happening in California and New York, you know, those banks may have invested in one type of industry, you know, and maybe it's just not working for them right now at this point. But I think right here, and so I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at. Thank you. <laughs> well, South Dakota's been through a recession before. Of course, there was the 30s, but uh, a lot of people say that recession is almost necessary to stop the inflation and so on and so forth. Uh, are you looking at that two or three years down the line uh, with what you're doing now? Yeah, definitely. We, Like I said, we 24 and 25, 26, we don't know what's going to happen, John. Like I said, you know, things could go, come to a point where our unemployment rate might go up to you know, six, seven percent. I don't know that. You know, this year, one good thing that we did, we were able to uh, reimburse uh, $18 million back to the employers on uh, unemployment insurance because they're paying in, but we're not paying out because we don't have the unemployment that other states have got. So we gave that money back. I mean, they don't have to pay that in. So hopefully that'll go back into their businesses somewhere, you know, so that's a big, that was a big thing, you know, and then we uh, we got that $200 million in Senate Bill 41 uh, infrastructure plan uh, for count, uh, municipalities and cities. And so where they can, I call it ground down, not ground up, where they can put infrastructure in so they, they can build up. Uh, that should help a lot getting electrical and roads and sidewalks and water and whatever else you need into a land development area before you start putting things up and broadband's going great so we're doing good in south dakota sales tax is our main income we don't have an income tax and that type of thing which everybody uh likes to come to south dakota because of that but if if like i say if we have bad times the sales tax goes down because people aren't buying things uh, is there a plan b or a backup that uh would kick in well you know you always hear that you know people come to me and go well we wanted this tax taken away and we wanted this tax taken away and then i'll ask them well, what's your backup plan well, the backup plan is always an income tax. That's the first thing that, that's brought up, and I don't want to see We don't want to do that. <laughs> no. You know, one other tax real quick, if I got a second. it was yep. We had a property tax. I, I sponsored a couple of property tax bills in there because one of the biggest things I heard all summer when I was on the, on the workforce group and, and what I heard all spring here ever since everybody got their, their property tax assessments and stuff was how high their property tax had gone up. I've got letters from people that their property tax went up as high as 30 percent you know uh you're talking people say their house tax a, a good friend of mine over by harmadon complex he's a school teacher here in town he said his went up 1100 dollars this year and that was a big thing and and so we we put together a property tax rebate as we called it or a reduction we give every homeowner family that owned a South Dakota home, you know, $425 back as a refund this year. And that could have been adjusted according to what income we would take in at the state each year. You know, some years it might be higher, some lower. But anyway, that was another one that we talked about, which we, it didn't pass either. So, Well, as the property tax goes, the rent goes too. Yeah, I know. And, and that's, you guys are the same way. And I, 
if there's a way we could balance it out for the renters, you know, the, the apartment buildings, the renters, and the homeowners all at once, it would be nice to do that. But, <laughs> you know, we've lowered the mill levy every year for schools by law. But assessments on the houses are going so high that you don't see any kind of a reduction in your property taxes. It's just because of that. So, What goes down, others go up. That's correct. Talking to Jack Kobeck, uh Time's running out, but uh, what do you think is the best thing that's happened with the last legislature this year? Well, I, th- I think one of the best things was just the the workability of the of the system. I uh, enjoyed. I thought the system worked really well. You know, there was the communication between all, all the parties involved. You know, some got their way, some did not. But there was not the 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 kind of animosity sometimes that you see between the two houses and the second floor, and, and there was good conversation. Uh, debate is always good, you know. We agree sometimes, we disagree sometimes, but we all got along at the end, and we were able to work out a, a great plan for the future of South Dakota. And uh, I just, I was excited to be there, and, and I've got uh, just one one term left, and we'll see how it goes. You don't think there's going to be a recall of the legislature for anything this summer, then, or? That's up to the governor. Mm-hmm. That, that I don't know. It depends on what happens with the tax, the right. with the budget bill. Well, for more information, they can get a hold of you, Jack Kobeck. Uh, you're uh, District 13 in Sioux Falls, uh, which yeah. is a good representative of Sioux Falls. And, and uh, Jack, uh, again, thanks for coming in every year and, and giving us what's ha- going to happen and what has happened in uh, an economist type of way. I want to thank you for being with us on Forum. Well, I appreciate you inviting me, John, and uh, I hope you got another few years left in this business. So thank you. Thank you, Jack.